Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Amateur Footy Hour. I'm Chris Forster alongside my co-host Riley, the King of the North guest. Guesty, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? No, we haven't had a podcast out in a while, so update our fans on what you've been up to. Yeah, well thanks Chris, I've uh, started my last year of uni, so three years down, one to go. Other than that, just uh, been doing a fair bit of work, promoting all these Oz kicks. Had uh, the Oz kick here at... Durangawa on Tuesday, we had over 50 kids. Nice turnout. And I heard we had 50 over at the uh, Northern Beaches Suns as well, so it's been a really good start. Other than that, just a bit of footy training. Um, round one was supposed to be in two weeks' time, but I don't think that's the case anymore. No, we've uh, taken a bit of a hit from the storms. I'm sure that all our locals are aware that a uh, few of our venues got a little bit damaged and we haven't had access to them, so we've had to do it to delay the start of our season slightly, uh, but not too far away now. So teams are gearing up, getting access to their fields and going through their training sessions. So hopefully we'll be uh, back up and running in no time. Oh, we just had the, the real King of the North walk through the door. Alex, King Hello. of the North, Clary. Don't worry about Jon Snow. He's the real King of the North. So Did you see that, that actually speaking of Jon Snow, that they had Game of Thrones... The season 8 trailer came out the other day. I did see that. I did. I'm still stuck on season 4. Um, there was a, a death at the end of season 4. I won't ruin it if people haven't seen it. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it didn't sit well with me, so I boycotted from that point on. How long have you boycotted for? Uh, when was season 4? That... I, I really don't know. Well, then, since then. Since then, that's a long, long time. Yeah, no, they lost me. They lost me. But I started slow as well. I didn't, I didn't start from season 1, episode 1. I actually started watching season 1 after... It had already come out, so I was a little bit behind, but now I'm further behind because I refuse to watch it after. Well, that's right. As long as you're up to date with the uh, MCU, you're up to date with that? Yeah. Yeah. How keen are you for... Well, we've got Captain Marvel came out the other day. Yep. Haven't seen that one yet. We've got Endgame in about seven or eight weeks. Again, uh, there was a character in the last one. I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Uh, There's a character that died that's very close to my heart. I'll write the name down for you here, Guesty, so you can see it. And uh, <laughs> didn't sit well with me, so yeah. You do realise how this 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 goes, though. Like I do. I know, I've read the comics. I was a bit of a nerd burger as a kid, so I do know. But just watching it, watching it happen in front of your eyes is a bit different. Did you cry? I didn't cry, but there's a lot of dust in the theatre. Got my eyes, a little, <laughs> got on my eyes a little bit. So, so anyway, it's been pretty pretty eventful in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Despite the fact that we've done no podcasts. No, no, well, we've been busy. And, but we've also actually set up a Facebook page, but we actually haven't put anything on it. No, we haven't had any podcasts since we started the page to put up, so this will be the first one. But also, we've had a, a new regional manager join the team. So we've got Damien Richards, who is now the regional manager here in Townsville. He looks very excited to be part of the team. He's loving our podcast. You can hear him right now. Look at him. He, he's, he's probably trying to find it live, I think is what he's doing, but he can't have access to it just yet. So Can we call him an avid listener? I, I would call him an avid listener. He probably wouldn't but I will. He's a very, very avid fantasy player, yes. AFL fantasy, which is going to be our first topic of the day. So for those people that don't know what fantasy is, Guesty, can you give us a bit of a wrap on what AFL fantasy looks like? So it's pretty much you, you get a salary of about $13 million and you've got to pick a bunch of players. I think it's 30 players. You have 22 on the field um, and they score points for you. They score points by amassing stats on Friday, Saturday, Sunday when their sides play. You get like three kicks for a hand, uh, three points for a hand uh, kick, two points for a hand pass, six points for a goal, four points for a tackle, um, and then you tally all your players up. You get a captain, so you try and pick a good, good player there, and they score doubles. That's that's the tough one, isn't it? Picking the right captain the right week. Not really. I would just go Tom Mitchell. But he's not. Blind. If you're going Tom Mitchell this year, you're Tom in big Mitchell. trouble, mate. If not, you're going Tom, that's you're, what I did last year, you're getting goose eggs yeah. if you go with Tom Mitchell. <laughs> 
you'll probably just go with someone like Darcy Cameron, despite the fact that he's not playing. Nah, it'll it'll most game. likely be a Swans player um, yes. because I have the most faith in them. Isaac Heaney is a is a very good choice. Callum Mills. Callum Mills. Um, Jake Lloyd just racks up the football, so he's he always a handy one. He's always so handy. He's just going to step outside the center square, uh, the uh, the goal square there, and just kick. Well, the based on the goes. based on the trial games, Jackson Thurlow's been taking a couple of them as well. Oh, this is not good. Oh, uh, well, it's it's good if you've got Jackson Thurlow in your team. <laughs> well, I haven't. I've got Lloyd specifically for these kicking points. Um, but yeah, anyway, so you tally up the points, how many points you get. Good players normally get about what 2,200, 2,300. Damo probably gets about twenty four hundred on average. Yeah, and I get twenty four hundred and one, so I'm just <laughs> a little bit better than Damo. And then you play leagues and you try and beat all your mates. And um, the first person in the country, you know, the most points. I think last year it ended in a tie. Um, you know, 48,000 and whatever points, gets a car and $30,000, something like that. But then you also have, that's, um, that's classic fantasy, you also have drafts. So you get a draft where you have, may say, 10 people, and you are... We've got some very special guests. We've got yeah, Chelsea, no Jenny, like and Chris have just entered the office. <laughs> so we've got some very special guests for our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So fantasy draft, you can pretty much only pick each player once. So say you and I and Damon and Alex in a draft, a four-man draft. So you get pick one, I get two, Damon gets three, Alex gets four. You know, then you get five, I get six, so on and so on and so on. Um, and yeah, pretty much you see how many points you... To change players, you either free agency, so you pick up a player who hasn't been selected in the draft, you've got one of yours, or you can actually trade between teams. So if I go pick one and I pick... If I'd pick one, well, I, I I would be strategic. It's not a Sydney player. No, I would go I would go Brody Grundy because yes. the next ruckman in line aren't very good. Well, that's if, my theory. Well, if Gorn plays by himself with no Bruce, that kind of takes the theory away a little bit. But you'd almost go Gorn with pick two if I had two. Yeah, well, there's always plenty of top line midfielders. You've got plenty of top line forwards, and well, there's more top line players in other positions than there are in the ruck. Yeah. So I'd go strengthen your ruck first. And then you can build around that in the draft comp. That'd yeah, be, that'd be my say, theory. Say I had, say Jackson McRae. Yeah. And then we wanted to trade. We could we could do that trade. I'd get Grundy. You get McRae. Do they have to be the same position? Um, because it would I be left without could, a ruckman? Probably. It probably would. So say I had Darcy Cameron from the Swans. You Go know, the Swans. You wanted a Sydney player. Yep. And we swapped. I got Grundy. Oh, that's you got clever. Cameron. That's clever. Um, yeah. So that's always fun, but the problem is, like, I do the draft and then I lose interest. But I think we've got a league going. Um, I think Damo's got a league going that we're all involved in this year. Yeah. I think what's, what's your side's name? Is it? I know Alex has got Alex's Cookers. I'm. I'm. My, my time. My side's called the the Belfort Blitz. The reason behind this is I was uh, when I first made my team. I don't know how many years ago now. I was a big Vitor Belfort fan. He's a fighter in the UFC, or was in the UFC. He's now he's now no longer there, uh, and that was quite clever at the time. I felt, but it turns out it was not. Yeah, I go with snapshot rookies probably because I made it when I was like fifteen. Yep, good I point. I was clever, and I'm not, so that's what I'm stuck with. <laughs> All right, guess so. The big question: Who is your lock? Who is the number one player that you pick for your fantasy team in 2019? Well, I've gone to my defence, and I'm going Alex will like this. I hope he will. I've gone with a Brisbane Lions player, um, yep. a defender, Alex Witherden. First pick, why have you gone with him? <laughs> yep. Round of applause from Alex. Thank He's a big fan Alex. of it. Um, well, he had a breakout season last year. He came along in leaps and bounds, boosted his average by a fair bit. You know, he's going to take that up to that 100 mark, I think, this year. The new kicking rules are going to help because um, he tends to take a lot of the kick-ins for the Lions. 
Um, you know, and with the new rules, you don't have to play onto yourself. He can just step outside the square. Yeah, a lot of cheap possessions. I think he did that on the on the first weekend of the JLT Cup. There was a video of him. He just casually walked outside the square, took his time, and then sent one 50 metres down the line. That's so, what you want. Cheap possessions yeah. in AFL. They don't, they don't worry about efficiency. Yep. It's three points. Yeah, fantasy. It's not about efficient players. You know, that's why Danger's a superstar at this game. He's a forward this year as well. Um, but yeah, Witherden's my lot. How about, how about you? I've gone... Uh, I'm going with Stephen Canelio, and I know I managed to sell this really well to Damo because he didn't have him in originally, and then I sold it, and then he's just gone, you know what, I'm going to completely boycott my entire team and build a new team around Canelio because Chris has sold it so well. So Canelio is obviously a star of the competition. I think Dylan Shield moving away, a lot of people seem to think, oh, they'll get another tagging player or come in. I think Canelio, no, I don't think, think Canelio's going to get a tag. I don't think he's the sort of player. still go to Kelly. Yeah, well, I don't think Canelo's the type of player that you can tag. So I think he'll still find as much footy as he did. He might even find a few more midfield minutes now that Shield's not there. Might only be an extra three or four minutes a game, but that could be a couple of possessions. You never know. He's very durable. He knows how to find the footy. And even when he has off games where he doesn't find big numbers of possessions, he lays tackles and he gets you points that way. So I feel like it's a safe bet. And I feel like he's the first player I pick because he's going to get, you're guaranteed to get averages of over 100 you get the 100 points each week we got Canelio. Oh, he's almost 110 yeah. per game, you know, with no Mitchell this year. Good choice to put the C next to as well. Yeah, especially if he's lining up on favourable opponents to score heavily against. So, yeah, not a bad choice. He's in my side too. He's my top mid. So, we've got our lock. Who's the player that you've got in your team that you think is going to make the jump into that elite category and score you big points? Well, see, my problem is with my side, I've only got one mid-price at the moment, and that's Zach Williams. GWS's defender, so he's going to have to be mine because that's the only one I've got. But he's underpriced as well because he, he missed he missed the majority of last season. I don't think he played at all during the the Premiership season, but he came back for the and finals for the finals. But don't count towards fantasy. No, so he didn't count the price jump. But I think he still scored a hundred in one of those two games. You know, uh, coming off one of the games, I know which game. game I know who it was against as well. Was it against Sydney? It was. It was, yeah. Unlucky. Yeah. So he's pretty much, I think I've got him in there as a 420k, 460k defender, and he's just going to go become a top six defender, I feel. So that's why he's my, well, he's not really a roughie. Everyone should have him in his side. But um, yeah, I've gone with Zach Williams. Well, the big big jump for me, I'm going with Dom Sheet. So he's already a solid player, but I think he's going to get a lot more of the football this year. Like, feel like last year was Brayshaw made that jump from a 70 point average to over 100 so and there's usually well becoming a superstar yeah exactly right and there's, there's usually a handful of players that do it each year I think Dom Sheed's going to be that player he had a really good final series his first JLT game he got 130 odd points in that one so I think he's starting to feel more confident in his ability and realize just how good he, a player he can be Gaff being away the first couple of weeks with suspension will help him. It means he'll get more time through the midfield to sort of solidify and establish himself as that top-line midfielder at West Coast. So I reckon he'll get first crack at it at their side alongside Shuey. And, and he I, likes a rough and tumble. He does. Yeah. He loves his tackles, which are excellent because they get you four points. They get you four points. You make, you make five tackles a game. There's an easy 20 points right there. So Dom Sheed's the one for me I think is going to make that jump to the next level. So we've got our lock. We've got our jump. Who's the roughie? Who's the player that can make or break your fantasy team? Well, the way I'm structured at the moment, I've gone for a Guns and Rooks pretty much setup, yep. which means I've either got top-of-the-line premiums or I've got rookie players who okay. are 270k and less. Yep. Um, so my, my roughie is 
number one draft pick from last year, Sam Walsh. Yes, very he's good. He's on my side. He's on my field. I think he's M5, midfield, my fifth midfielder at the moment because I'm either high or low with uh, the players I've got. And Guaranteed game time. Oh, job security, barring injury, touch wood, you know. Yep. Should play every game. We'll be in the midfield. Won't get a tag because you'd think that would go to Cripps. And he's just going to find the football. He did it last Thursday against the Bombers um, in their win over Essendon. I think he had 28 touches or thereabouts, had an impact, uses the ball well. They're going to want the ball in his hands. He's going to cop attention at times, but he Carlton will want the ball in his hands, and ball in the hands means points. And he's going to be chasing. He's going to be working hard, you know. I don't expect him to average 100, but if he averages 60, 70, 80, probably at least from 70 onwards, he's going to make that cash as well, which means he'll be a good jump later on in the season. But... You know, everyone should have him. He's obvious, but you know what? Not everyone had Tom Mitchell last year, and he won the Brownlow. So you've got to have these players yep. as locks. All right, well, I've gone, uh, I've gone Jamie Elliott, and I think he's a player that will can average big scores, but the big knock on him is he is injury-prone. He has had a couple of injuries the last few seasons. He got through JLT game, a couple of practice games, uh, relatively unscathed, got kicking through them goals. all. Kicking goals, exactly right. So it's good to have forwards that A, tackle, that B can hit the scoreboard. Obviously, if you're forward, you want your players kicking goals. And I feel like he's he's underpriced, similar to Zach Williams, where he didn't play last year, so his price was cut. Um, so I think at his price, he's worth the gamble. Obviously, he, there is the tendency he might get an injury here or there, but I think he's I think he's a good roughly, and I think he's worth the risk at that price. He works around the ground too. He works up and down and all around, so he's going to take plenty of marks as well, which gives you you know a mark and a kick plus six. You know, plenty of those are quite handy. So. Yeah, no, I'm quite happy with all of our picks, although there has been some talk in the office about that Dom Sheed one. Um, That's from Damo. Damo is the new kid on the block here. He needs to establish himself before he starts commenting on other people's fantasy sites. You know he was 84th once, I think, at mid-season? He was 84th in the entire country, 12 rounds in, 13 rounds in. That's a remarkable... So he says. I haven't seen a picture of this yet. I haven't seen any evidence. Picks or it didn't happen, as they say. (laughs) So I think I was 83rd that same year, so... (laughs) Pixar right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> didn't happen. I'm not, I'm not buying it. All right, so moving on from fantasy, JLT started back up. Last Thursday. Yep, so we've got our AFLW is flying. alive and well. Flying, absolutely flying. Big crowds. Um, standard of the football is really good. So before we move into the JLT, what are some of the standout individuals or teams that you've seen from AFLW? Obviously, North Melbourne, first yeah. year in the competition, have exceeded a lot of people's expectations. They've done a lot of things right. They've gone and recruited strongly. I think Emma King is their best player. She's just having a standout season. They, you know, North have gone about it perfectly. Bit of a hiccup last weekend going down to the Crows, but I think there's five or six goals. They got touched up quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, that was a bit surprising. Um, so that moved Adelaide in a top spot, but I think North are going to be there when the, when the whips are cracking. Well, the, the two new teams, North and Geelong, they've they've done quite well, actually. They've, they've performed... One more game, so I think people are expecting. So, were you surprised yourself when North and Geelong started the way that they did? Not particularly with North. They pretty much, I think I saw an article the other day, they took four players from Collingwood um, during the off-season. Oh, no wonder they're doing so well. <laughs> and those four girls, or those four players, have kicked more goals than the entire Collingwood side this year. One of those, Mo Hope? Mo Hope, yes. She's certainly come into herself as a player now at the top level. It's taken her two seasons. Um, but in her third season, she's up and about and firing. Two seasons and a showing on Survivor Australia. How many episodes was she on for? Uh, she had. I think she had to leave, or she offered to get voted out because she was sick. 
but she was part of a pretty strong alliance. Yep. So she she could have stayed if she wanted to. I'm not sure exactly how long, maybe 13, 14 days or something and along those lines. it's pretty important, you know, because she's a professional sportsman. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, if you're not right... You, was you on there with gone. Brian Lake. Brian Lake. Premiership well. player. And He's uh, had an interesting 12 months. Yeah, I think the, the less we that, talk about that, that the better. better. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> off topic here. So Adelaide and North are the top of Conference A. And then I think in Conference B... Well, we got. See, this is a, a. There's been some criticism about the conference system because even though it's a ten-team comp, not everyone plays everyone. So I think they're split into two conferences of five. I think it's east and west, um, and then from that, the top two sides from each conference will then go into um, two preliminary finals, and then the winners of that will play in a grand final. So we've got it up here. So and see, this this is a bit of a bit of a problem because you've got. As you can see in Conference A, we've got Adelaide on top with North Melbourne. Um, they're four wins from five games, but in third spot, outside of the outside of a finals place, is Frio, who are also on four wins from five games. And then we look at Conference B. You know, you've got Geelong, who are three wins from five, and then Carlton, two wins from five, and the percentage of only 89. Well, it's it's difficult because when, when obviously when the AFL was putting these conferences together, you have got the Brisbane Lions, who a lot of people are expecting being. They've lost the last two grand finals. Yeah, exactly. So that they made they've made two grand finals, so a lot of people are expecting them to be winning a lot more games than they were. So that they they separated the Lions and the Bulldogs, who were last year's premiers, and they're they're at the bottom of Conference yeah, seven, A. Two and, three. and then you get the new clubs like North Melbourne and Geelong, where you're not really sure what you're going to expect from them. So when you break those two up into different conferences. I just think it just, it's just unfortunate that the, the teams that are in Conference A happen to be performing well and all in the same conference. But I think if you look at it, it's, it's a good chance to see a club like Geelong who's come in, they're the new kids on the block, and they're sitting top of Conference B, which yeah. is always good. So, um, well, they've got a big game this week, and they've got Frio at um, GM HBA Stadium tomorrow. That's what it's called now. Just yeah, like name dropping. It, name I dropping. like to call it Cadinia Park, so... <laughs> You know, if Geelong were to get up there, that would even things up a bit. You've also got a really important clash there, pretty much decides, I think, the final spot for Pool B. Carlton and Brisbane playing at um, Princess Park on Sunday. You know, the winner of that almost guarantees themselves a finals berth. So, some important games. Cause so who's it, who's your tip there. at this point? Well, my tip for the weekend is Collingwood to knock off North. Collingwood to I'm knock really off North. I'm really worried wow, that Collingwood... Okay are going to go through without a win. They only lost to Carlton by five points last week. Carlton came from behind. But um, I'm going to be tipping Collingwood every week because oh, yeah, they're so, going yeah. to get a win. Sydney um, doesn't have a team and I'm still tipping them. Yeah. Well, are Sydney bringing in a side next year? No. No? No. So Gold Coast, the, mighty, the mighty Gold Coast Suns will be. Is it a 14-team comp next year? Yeah, so Gold Coast, Gold Coast is bringing a team uh, featuring, featuring Townsville own Ellie Hampson. Yes, signed up earlier this year. And I think they've signed a, part, a partnership with Mackay to play a couple of games. I think they're also playing a game here against the Lions Academy uh, mid-year as well. So it, it just really it just shows the just the growth of a, a women's AFL. We've started out with an eight-team competition. Now we've got ten teams, and it's growing year by year by year. So hopefully we can get to that point down the track where we do have all 18 teams represented in both the, the men's and women's competitions. So... Premiership, who's, who's your tip to take out the flag this year in the AFLW? North. North Melbourne, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, so you think they're going to lose to Collingwood but win the flag? Yes. Okay. I'll, West I, Coast did that in 2006 to us. But wait, we finished, no, 2005. They lost to Sydney 
but I think we beat them and we finished second last. Well, I'm similar. I'm tipping North Melbourne, but I'm also tipping them to beat Collingwood this week. So that's probably where we slightly differ. So, all right, all right, so we've had our JLT games. Yes. So we're going to talk about six of the clubs Six of the clubs this week. Um, I'll take up. three, you take three. So, Unsurprisingly, Sydney and Collingwood feature in this. Yeah. So, well, we've got to start with the, with the big guns, obviously. So well, then let's talk about Sydney. Talk about Sydney. Okay. So Sydney played the Giants in their first JLT game. Funnily enough, they actually played the Giants in a uh, in, in a game the week before, before that yeah. as well. So they played the Giants one week and then played the Giants the following week and um, went one win apiece. Yep. Uh, so in the JLT game, Sydney didn't start that crash shot. Uh, I think the Giants kicked the first five or six goals. I think they kicked the first three goals in about a minute. So it was ominous signs early for Sydney. As a Swans fan, um, obviously both clubs had a lot of players. I think Toby Green... Uh, Jeremy Cameron, uh, Toby Green, uh, John Patton. Uh, there were a few players missing from the Giants. I don't think Josh Kelly played either. Sydney had Buddy Franklin out. Um, Jared McVeigh didn't play. Heath Grundy was a late withdrawal. So, it, so each team was missing a couple of key players. But what I liked from Sydney, um, very big, very, very big on this player, Oliver Florent. I know he's one of Damo's favourites as well. Gathered 21 possessions. Silky, silky user of the football. Breaks lines. Kicks great football, finds the goals, lays tackles. He's going to get a lot of more midfield time this year. So get him in your fantasy team. Get him in your fantasy team. See, Damo's got the thumbs up. He loves it. Alex has got no idea. He's just eating food. Damo's shaking his head. No. Well, Alex Alex follows Brisbane. I thought Florent was a a key position player. I thought he started there. No, not key position. He was playing as a half forward slash wingman. Uh, but they played him. They played him through the middle in the first game against the Giants, and in the JLT game, he got a bit of midfield minutes as well. Picked up 21 possessions, but he uses the ball well. He very rarely misses a target. Kicked the winner against the Bulldogs last year, didn't he? Possibly. You probably know more about that than I do. You know everything about the stats. All I remember is uh, all I remember is McCartan kicked the winner against the Pies. I'm sure you remember that one as well. Oh. Um, so they started. One of the other new players they picked up, Jackson Thurlow from Geelong. Yep, handy pickup. He. Honestly, is he in Sydney's leadership group? I think I saw it. Or was that? He's not in the leadership group, um, but he's. It might have been someone on the Gold Coast, someone from Geelong's. Holland Smith. Yes, that's the one. Sorry, yep. So so Thurlow's coming. I wasn't really expecting him to get a prominent role. I thought he was going to be there as a depth player behind uh, Grundy, Alir, Rampy, and Melikan. But he's impressed a lot of people. Um, a lot of the coaches, and he found his way into the JLT game. Performed quite well, had 17, 18 possessions or so, and did a pretty good job on a number of different opponents. And he's, he's agile enough he can play on some mid-sized players, tall enough that he can play on the keys as well. So you add that bit of versatility. Um, I think he's going to be quite a handy pickup for Sydney. And then it, what was probably the most pleasing was they they fell five or six goals behind, but then they weren't blown away. They managed to peg that back, and in the end they only lost by, I think, 20 points or so. Uh, they managed to peg it, pet it back and never fell away. Obviously, Isaac Heaney was a standout, had 25 disposals or so, kicked a couple of goals. Uh, Jake Lloyd looks like he'll be a handy pickup again for any fantasy players, reigning, reigning best and fairest winner. 99 points in three quarters. Yeah, so that's, that's a pretty steady result. Um, and for the Giants, who are another team that I'm um, discussing on today's one, uh, Tim Taranto, who is Damo's, he reckons he's going to get big, big, Midfield time. Well, he takes picked up, Shields' role. Picked up 33 disposals against the Swans. So, you know, Damo's licking his lips. He reckons that's a, quite a handy pickup. Between Taranto and Hopper, you think they'll pick up the midfield times, midfield minutes that Shield is behind. Uh, Daniel Lloyd. A, uh, Your boy. My boy, Daniel Lloyd, comes from the, the mighty Kalani Vale Bombers on the Central Coast, New South Wales. 
snagged three goals, so it looks like he's got a spot for round one. I'd be picking him anyway. If you're looking for a cheap fantasy option, get him in your team. Put the C next to him. 80 points. That's, that's worth pretty good. That's worth points. three goals as a captain is worth six goals. So if you think about it, he's he's got a six-goal game for the C and next to him. And then you've got to add in the points he gets for kicking. Oh, goals. exactly right. And so he had a really strong showing. Cornelio just finds the ball whenever he wants it. Uh, and one of their early draft picks, Jai Caldwell, he was very impressive for a um, for a young player. Kicked kicked a goal or two and found a bit of the football as well. Had yeah, kicked what two goals? Yep. Two goals two had goals. fourteen possessions. Five so tackles. Five tackles. So yeah. that's what you want from young kids is applying that forward pressure, making sure if the ball gets in there, it's locked down. So they looks like they found another gem. They always send it at the Giants. They always it's talk about all the players that leave the club because they just, um. They're almost like Hawthorne lose a soldier. They they find someone that comes in and. and Oh, I see he's got Dylan Shields' old number, number five. Is yeah, he, they, they rate him quite highly. Is he an academy prospect? I think he's from Victoria. I think I could be I could be mistaken here. I don't think we're going to get anything off. So he's playing in the TAC Cup, so he's got to be a Victorian. Which actually, speaking of, they've rebranded. I did, I well. did see that. And Tassie getting involved as well, getting a side in. So obviously the plan from AFL House to get Tasmania back onto the national scene as such. Um, this is the first step they've taken as well, which is promising. Hopefully, one day it results in Tasmania having its own standalone side, but whatever the process is to that. They've got a good following in Tasmania. Every time we see the North Melbourne head down there or Hawthorne head down there for a couple of games, they, they tend to get decent crowds to it. So They love um, their footy. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. So I think um, yeah, the, the, their addition into the TAC Cup is going to be good things for football. Um, this puts it up to a high standard as well. So we've got some kids that might not be exposed to that level of football and now getting that exposure and it lifts the standard across the, the, the code across the nation, which is which is really good. So, look, that's that's the summary of the, my first two teams. I'll speak about the Suns uh, a little bit later, but we'll move over to you now, Guesty. Tell us a little bit about Geelong. So Geelong played last night. Um, they played Essendon at home. I'm not going to say that stadium's name again. Uh, at Cadinia Park, and they knocked the Bombers off by 28 points. They also played against West Coast last week at Leaderville Oval, which is actually where my local waffle side used to play. I used to spend many an afternoon standing behind the goals, hoping to touch the footy, and as soon as the quarter-time siren went, you were on the field having a kick, um, actually before the game as well, until you got yelled at by the players to get out of the way. <laughs> that was pretty scary as a 10-year-old, trying to get a kick on the ground, and uh, you've got 22 blokes yelling at you to get out. Um, but yeah, so they went down to the Eagles by six goals last week. Um, your man Dom Sheet had 39 touches in that. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing, but that's getting off track a little bit. You know, for Geelong, you know, they've had two new players. Gary Rowan, your man, played well last night, kicked four. I saw that. Um, but Paddy Dangerfield's been pretty consistent across both games, you know, been in their best. He had 29 against the Eagles, and if I can pull up the stats. Tell you what, here's a, yeah, here's a scoop for you. Paddy Dangerfield's going to be a handy player this year. There you go. Handy player, you heard it here first. You know, 29 last week, 30 this week. You know, Joel Selwood had 38 last night, just a casual 154 fantasy points. So Geelong's good players are playing well. Kelly had 28. Dowhouse, 25 touches, eight tackles and a goal. You know, playing that half, that half-forward flank role, pressure forward, uses the ball well, handy around the goal. So who are, who are the new faces? Obviously, you mentioned Gary Rowan kicking four goals. Who are the who are the new faces that have impressed you? So so Dowhouse and, and Rowan, really impressive last night. You know, two recruits brought in to fill a job. You know, they're, they're taking Geelong up the ladder. You know, they got knocked out last year by Melbourne. They want to play top four football this year, ideally, because that sets them up for a spot in the grand final. 
So Dow House and Roland, but they've also um, a handy recruit from WA, Jordan Clark. Yeah, he's been very impressive. Plays down back. Um, good use of the ball. And I think he fits in well with DeLong's defence, you know. Their, their, their forward line hasn't been fantastic the last couple of years, and their midfield at times was questionable last year, but they've built a really solid back six that's tough to score against. And Clark, as a rebounder, I think down there, fits in quite nicely with them. Right, so Geelong looks like they're going to be there or thereabouts again this year. So moving on to the second team you're going to discuss, mentioned them slightly earlier, West Coast, the Page Long and First JLT. What have West Coast done to impress you so far? So the reigning premiers, um, a couple of spots to fill. Obviously, Andrew Gaffer's out until round three. And I saw in an article today that Nick Nanamilly won't be back. and He's aiming for a round nine comeback. So obviously losing Scott Lysett as well means Nathan Vardy's going to have a big role to play the first nine, 10, 11, And was it weeks Hickey the they picked up? Hickey from St Kilda, yeah. yes, Tom Hickey. So H- Hickey and Vardy will have a lot of work to do the first couple of months of the season. But it's just a couple of their rookie players which have been going around and that I've been reading. Um, young Francis Watson, speedy halfback player. Um, could be a lock for round one against Geelong. 17 touches and 10 tackles. That's the big one. When Teams look for that now. When you've got a forward, they need to know you can put tackling pressure on. That's what they look for. And, you know, he's experienced as well. 23 years old. So someone who's played a fair bit of football around the country knows what he's doing. You know, you think he'd be able to come in and do a job. The other one... Here, I think it's, um, his name's Jack. Have I got the name? We've got the name, Petruccelli. I'm, I'm probably... Petruccelli? Petruccelli could be. That's probably a better pronunciation. Pet- I'm getting the thumbs up from Damo. Petruccelli. He is actually giving the thumbs up. Kicked four goals in their um, intra-club match a couple of weeks ago. So trying to take Mike McCrae's old spot. He only had one goal from nine touches against the Cats. But that's what a, a young small forward's like. They're not going to be involved every week. You know, they have these sorts of games... You know, maybe once or twice a year they kick four or five. But, um, yeah, he looks like he could um, certainly take Mike McCrae's spot. You know, they've got Rioli, they've got Lee and Ryan down there to complement Kennedy and Darling. So if he could force his way in, that would be a, quite a handy acquisition for West Coast. All right, so you, you reckon West Coast will be there or thereabouts again this year? Oh, surely. I know yeah. I've seen some people write them off, but how have they they've gotten worse? They get Gaff back, they get Natanui back. They don't lose at home. No, they just They don't lose over there. Lose. Yeah. For them to lose over there. I mean, it is possible, but... Um, we saw Sydney do it in round one. Go this Swans. Melbourne did it as well. But when it comes to crunch time, a couple of weeks later, six weeks later, look how Melbourne went. So, so, you, so, you're, so I like West Coast. You look at the fixture and you, you've almost penciled in 10 wins when you're playing at home. So you've got to win a couple on the road and that gets you in the finals. So they've... Um, they, they've got GWS there round two, first game at home. That's... They open the season with Brisbane, is that right? Yeah, at the Gabba, yes. And then they go Collingwood at the G in round three. Saturday night, that'll be one to watch. I've done every game. It's an interesting start of the year because a lot of people are expecting Brisbane to show some improvement this year. Yeah, well, Lockie Neal's settled in quite nicely. Played quite well last week. And then what, they've got GWS and Collingwood the next two. So start to the year is not, um, start to the, year's not the easiest for the reigning premiers, but it can sort of set them up for a launch if they can win those three games. Absolutely, and they'll be looking to try and get early wins on the board and uh, getting their, their defence, their premiership defence, off to a good start. All right, so we've got two more teams to talk about. I'll take it from here. I'll take the Gold Coast Suns, the mighty Gold Coast Suns. Uh, had a very... How can I put... How can they... Had a, had a very busy trade period. Had a, a lot of people leaving, a lot of people coming into the club. So uh, you could have been... when that was over, they lost Jared Lyons. Yeah, and you, you could have been mistaken for thinking, oh, it's going to take him a bit of time to settle. But from there... JLT hit out against the Bulldogs, who were 
who had a lot of their top liners playing the Bulldogs. They weren't um, they weren't an overly weak side. They had they had a lot of good players playing. They managed to uh, get a five point win up in uh, up in Mackay, Great Barrier Reef Arena. Still the one of the best names of any venue in Australian sport at the moment. Great Barrier Reef Arena got a five point win over the Bulldogs. Um, Obviously, their their prized draft picks Rankin, Lukosius, and King all got some game time. See that? Did you see the first goal Rankin kicked to the game? I did. Run into the boundary. Up. Then he just waves his hand around like, "Yeah, do this every day of the week. No big deal." First two minutes of professional football, even in a warm up game. Yeah. Impressive. So they didn't didn't have a lot of the football, but showed enough in glimpses. Their younger kids that that they they look like they've got enough. They'll they'll show a fair bit, which was really impressive. Um, Fiorini was the one for me that really stood out. He had. We got the stats here. What do you have? 25, 26 disposals. So he had twenty six disposals. Also, um, <clears throat> sorry, also had four marks and three tackles. So he's not just finding the football. He can win it himself. He can get on the inside, the outside. So he was pretty impressive. Uh, some of the, the players that they've picked up in recent years. So they picked up uh, Lockie Weller last year. He had twenty. They picked up Anthony Miles this year. He had twenty one. Uh, Jordan Murdoch's had fifteen. So some of the players they're picking up are coming in and playing roles, and they're not getting huge numbers, but we sh- we saw against the Bulldogs that they're playing the role, and I think I think that's what they need to do this year. They don't have the superstars that they've had in previous years. They don't have a Tom Lynch down forward. They don't have a Gary Ablett running through their midfield. So they need to go out and find the players that will go out and play their role and do the job for the team. And we saw glimpses of that against the Western Bulldogs, and they managed to come away um, with the win. So look, it, it, it might be a, a bit of a rebuilding phase for the Suns, but... I think their younger kids have shown enough um, that they're going to be a good a good side. It might not be this year, but it might be in two, three years' time they're going to be a side that, um, yeah, a lot of sides will, will probably not want to be coming up against. Yeah, when you've got a young side, it, it, it's beneficial that you can fast-track a lot of the development of a lot of your young players, which is what the Suns have got. You know, they've brought in the likes of Miles. They've got Jared Witts there, you know, that will go out and... and 47 hit-outs. As 47 hit-outs. as well yep. with David Swallow. So... Those older, more experienced players will certainly be able to help these youngsters come through, and, and those youngsters are just going to get games into them. You know, Rankin and Lukosius, you know, should almost play what 16, 17, 18 games at least. You know, and they, they've got that spread of experience. So you talk about Wits and Swallow through the midfield. They've got Jared Harbrow still playing down back, reigning best and fairest winner. So you have got a bit of experience down back. Um, Sam Day's been at the club since day one, so he's got a bit of experience up forward. Peter Wright, so they've got experience across the board. It's just a case of getting some games into these young kids and, and persevering in the short term. That's it. It, it. As you said, it takes two or three seasons, but you know, you look at their list as well. They've got a lot. Of their experienced players all have. They all have journeys. Like you take the, you take someone like Jared Witts, you know, who was at Collingwood, or even George Holland Smith, who's been at Geelong for a good six or seven years. Jared Harbrow was at the Dogs when they were going quite well under Rodney Eads. So, you know, these players, while they might not be superstars in their own right, they all bring different elements to the team. And when you've got a situation like the Suns have, it's it can only be of uh, benefit to them. And Anthony Miles is another one coming from Richmond. Absolutely. So that they come from clubs that have winning cultures, and I think that's what the Suns need. They need to find players that um, know how to win games of football. And Miles particularly came from a place where Richmond turned it around, and they turned it around very quickly from a disastrous 2016. Well, they so, finished 13th, didn't they? Yes. And, you know, to where they were in 2017. Win I mean, the flag. the dominant side last year as well. So it can be done. It can be done very quickly. Um, but you've got to have the right people in the right places and, and the squad to do it with as well. Which yeah, the Suns are building towards. That's the thing. I think they've got enough, not a, uh, enough young talent there to get their fans excited about. So, 
hopefully promising a, signs. Yeah, hopefully a good year for the Suns. And they've got um, St Kilda in round one. They also have St Kilda on June 15 here in Townsville at Riverway Stadium, which is a lot of people, a lot of buzz talking up possibly match of the season. Um, a lot of early buzz about that. No, that's what Damo's definitely been talking about. Doesn't get any bigger than Gold Coast Suns versus St Kilda Saints June 15. It's going to be a hectic week up here in Townsville. And I don't think the Cowboys are playing either, so there's no No, they are. the Cowboys are. The Cowboys are, are playing. So I think the Cowboys night. are playing Friday night. Oh. So we get people Excellent. up here, it's get to the Cowboys better. game, then get to the Gold Coast Suns game, make it a sports weekend. Absolutely, get around Townsville. Exactly. You can stay for a month and the V8s will be soon enough. Yeah, well, it's the sporting capital of Australia. That's what I've been hearing. I hope you never say that to a person from Melbourne because they will trust. Well, if they want to argue with me, they can come up June 15, sit down and watch the AFL and I'll have this conversation with them. Well, there you go. There's an invitation. (laughs) All right, so final team we're going to talk about today. The, the mighty Collingwood Magpies team is very close to your heart, Guesty. How's their, how's their pre-season been? Yeah, it got off to a rocky start. Um, they played Melbourne in a, in a practice match and, and went down in that, which wasn't great. Um, and then they went over to Perth to play Frio at Joondalup and conceded five of the first six goals. But they managed to um, fight back from that and in the end run away to a, a pretty good 27-point win. Their good players played well. Pendlebury, Grundy, Sidebottom all had plenty of it. Um, it's pleasing to see, as you said earlier, Jamie Elliott come back. He kicked two goals. And uh, from a Pies man from 10 years ago, it uh, made the heart feel very nice when Dane Beams, back in the black and white, kicked the first goal for the Pies, actually got halfway up on someone. Yeah, I'm not sure Alex is so keen on that one. How often have we talked about that trade where we traded Beams and for Degoe for Jack Crisp, pick five, pick 25, pick five, turned into the into Degoe, and then Collingwood actually gets Dane Beams back three or four years later? <laughs> we haven't we haven't spoken about it. Oh, okay, we'll have to do that. We won't talk about it in front of Alex. We'll wait, we'll wait till Alex is away before we discuss that one. Can't talk about that in front of the King of the North. No, he's not happy. He's but not uh, happy it was good to see Beams <laughs> back and, you know, getting young ga- getting games into youngsters like um, Isaac Quainer, who was an academy pick from last year. And then you had your, your Callum Browns, your Tyler Browns, from what I read, was quite impressive. Did a couple of really good things. So, yeah, overall, quite pleasing for the Pies. Um, Where do they finish this year? Well, see, I'm not like you. I'm, I'm, I see a, a glass of water that's half full, and I say the glass is half, half empty. So you're, you're pessimistic. Pessimistic. So I have them in the bottom four of the eight. So between five and eight. Somewhere. I've got, I've got Sydney going undefeated with an average winning margin of about eighty. Yeah, going twenty-two and zero, finishing in sixth spot. Uh, Sydney Gold Coast Grand Final. There you heard, you heard it first. Yep. So I've got the pies sitting somewhere five and eight. I think a, a lot of people have them in their four. So is that a step down then? If they're going from grand finalists to... They've obviously recruited Dane Beam, so they, they think that they're well, still again, in that window. Well, again, this is me being the pessimist, but I think if they... They had to beat Frio in the last round, and they only got up by two or three goals. So who, finish, who finishes above them? You reckon, what, West Coast? Richmond and Melbourne, at least. That's three. That's three. Still got to find one more. Well, see, that, that's the problem. This is why we have a pre-season discussion because we don't know who's going to go up and who's going to go down. I reckon Adelaide is going to go up this year. I reckon they're the team that's going to make the jump. They finished 12th, 12th yeah. so I reckon they're the team that could make I, that jump. Only a win outside the eight, though. Uh, yeah, it was very tight season last year. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the ladder here, you see if Collingwood had lost that last game to Frio, they would have actually... Well, they still actually would have finished fourth because Hawthorne would have dropped down. No, they wouldn't have. They would have finished fifth and they would have had to play Geelong first up, you know. 
coming from that end, that's a long, hard way to get into the finals. They would have had to go and play West Coast in Perth for the prelim. But they get they they are strengthened with the addition of Dane Beams. Oh, like their their absolutely. midfield room, their midfield engine room. And Lyndon Dunn's on track for an early season return as well. Darcy Moore, Jamie Elliott. Well, that's the thing that they they similar to West Coast. They got to the grand final with a number of injuries. A number and Tyson Goldsack playing three games before the grand final. Coming back from an ACL, all finals as well. So what, what are our chances of a Sydney-Collingwood grand final? Could we survive one of those? Actually, if that happened, we would probably... Wait, I'm not even actually going to say that, but the odds of that happening... Be what, not... 16 it, times... In the realms 50, of possibility... Is it 16 times... One in, one in 18 times one in 17? Is that how you figure it out? Alex, know. you're a, you're a, you're yeah, a genius. So the odds of Sydney playing Collingwood in the grand final, is that 1 in 18 times 1 in 17? Is that how you figure it out? It is? Right, well, we'll drop a couple of... Drop, cu- drop yeah. a couple Alex of has confirmed that's definitely how you do it. Carlton aren't playing in the grand final this year. And um, who else? Frio aren't playing there, I don't think, either. So I think we can just go ahead and book tickets now. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's going to be Sydney Collingwood. Get a cheap flight down on Jetstar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so... We've, we've done quite well. We've managed to keep this under the hour. We're actually sitting about 41 yeah, minutes. Well, so We wanted to make it half an hour, though, because an amateur footy hour. Oh, but then Damo had guests dropping in and throwing us off guard. Mind you, we, I've been here for well over an hour, so it does take a lot of time to record these sorts of things. Oh, it's hard work. Hard work pays Extremely. off, though. Both our followers are going to love this episode. I like how followers is plural now. We yeah. We just don't have one. No, we got And a... our Facebook friend, our Facebook, our Facebook legends who like our page... <laughs> Damo's going to give us a share. He loves it. All right, so I guess he, I signed us in. You've got to sign us off, send us off into the sunset. Why didn't you tell me this when we started? Well, I figured I guess, it was common knowledge. It's not. We and go. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Chris. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that all. Uh, make sure you keep watching the footy. Remember, round one's less than two weeks away, so get excited for that. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. See ya.